Christ and really who he is. Um, so before I start, I just want to pray that as I bring God's word this morning, that there will be a revelation. Uh, not because I'm anything special, but because the Holy Spirit will be working here this morning. So Lord, we just thank you for who and what you are and your word. Your word is awesome. And Lord, as I speak this morning, I just pray that hearts will be open, Lord. We will be receptive to you, Lord. And Lord, we ask for change. We want to walk out of here different than when we came in. Amen. Right. I brought some friends with me today. They're, they're quite small, but they've got rather loud voices. So the first one is culture. And I've, I've labelled these things various names, but you can almost put your own names on them. And these are actually radios. And as I bring them up, I'm going to turn them on. This one's in, called Friends Family. I'll turn this one on. And I've got this one here. Social media news. These are all things that are, are around us in our lives. And in my pocket, sorry about the racket, in the pocket, I've got the Bible on my phone. And I'm just going to get the lollipop. And I'm going to ask you, this, with all this racket that's going on, all this input, can you pick out anything in particular? Maybe the Bible. Can you hear the Bible? No? This is, of course, the world that we live in. We live in a, a busy world, and we're bombarded the whole time. Right, just turn the Bible off, excuse me. We live in a busy world, don't we? And we're, we're bombarded by... All this stuff around us constantly. And I know in reality it's not quite simultaneous like that, but in a way it is because we have to, our brains have to deal with the culture and bombardment around us. What I want to look at this morning is listening to God in amongst all this. But my question is this. What if we try and listen to God and we just get that? Which is sometimes what we experience, isn't it? We, we're trying to cut out the world and we're trying to hear God speak. So this morning I'm talking about the prophetic, which is basically directly hearing from God. Um, one of the primary ways, of course, that God speaks to us is through the Bible. This is, this is the number, way, and the prof- number one way. And the prophetic, it kind of sits on top of the word. It can never disagree with the word. It has to be in alignment with the word. So that is probably the number one way that we hear God, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about the prophetic. And the prophetic is, is incredibly powerful. It is God speaking directly into our lives or the lives of people around us, and that's a massive thing. There's different ways, of course, that we can hear in the prophetic. Yeah, there's visions. I've never had one of those. There's dreams. I've probably had Two of those that I think were from God in my whole lifetime. Um, the way that I tend to hear God is myself is I'll get a thought come into my mind with words and I'm like, I didn't put those words there. And I just feel and sense that they came from God. And the other way is into my spirit. Um, sometimes you just know something. And 
You don't know why you know it. It's just deep within you. It's a deep thing. And I think there's lots of prophetic ways God speaks to us, but I think possibly one of the most important ways is through other people. Um, if we're not prophetic um, ourselves, having people speak over our lives is an awesome thing. So I just want to share um, just how my life has been shaped by hearing God and hearing the prophetic. Um, I would not be here this morning if it wasn't for hearing God, not be in this church, possibly not even be married to my wife. Um, I think largely God speaks to me in really small ways. So an example of a small way, and this happens all the time, sometimes several times in a day, sometimes several times in a week. When, when you um, prepare a preach, it's lots of hard work. It really is. And it's, it's great to come up here and stand and share the preach, but you've got to put in the, the homework before doing it. And it was last weekend, and uh, it was my allocated time in the diary to, to prepare for this. Did I want to do it? No, not really. And uh, I had to do it, and I thought, I procrastinate. I'm very good at procrastinating. And I found something else to do. And I sat down there for a couple of minutes doing this other thing, and the Holy Spirit just said to me, uh, 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 come on, get on with the preparation. So this, this, that's just an example of just a really small way in which God speaks to me. Um, the bigger ways that I'd like to share, uh, rewind 20 years, uh, I was single in a vineyard church, and I was looking for a wife, as you do at that sort of age. And there was a joint event, event with a, a sister church. They were recording a live album. So the two churches joined together, and it was a great event. And then afterwards, the 20-somethings from my church and the 20-something from the sister church, we all went down the pub together. And, well, there were some very nice ladies there, I have to say. And after that evening, I thought, hmm, I think I'd get to go to that church for a bit, see what might happen. You never know. So I made that firm decision to do that. And uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, said, your wife will come to you in your church. So I had a choice at that point. I could go, nah, I'll go and chase the ladies in the other church. <laughs> but I chose to obey. My wife was coming to me in my church. Uh, two months later, I was dating Sharon. So I'm really pleased I listened to the Holy Spirit. And then from Sharon's point of view, we'd been dating two, three months. And I can't really imagine why. She came to the conclusion I was a bit of a weirdo. And uh, she thought, nah, I've got to get rid of him. Oh, luckily, the Holy Spirit spoke to her <laughs> and said, yeah, he is a weirdo, but yeah. So she, uh, and you're not, you're not to dump him. So uh, she took that as to marry me. I'm very pleased you listened. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then another, another thing I'd like to share. It's a little bit sensitive, this subject, um, but it was really important in Sharon and I's life, our, our lives. Uh, when we were trying for our first children, first child, um, Sharon had a miscarriage about three months in. And this was obviously really devastating. Some of you would have experienced this. And the Holy Spirit spoke to Sharon, and he, she, he gave her the number two. And she knew immediately that meant in two months' time, you'll be pregnant again. Of course, we weren't that obedient on this occasion, and the next month we did try. Uh, but nothing happened as... Uh, God prophesied, but two months later we did become pregnant and that turned into Zach. 
So just, that's just two examples of how God has massively impacted a life, our lives. And again, um, I'm not going to share the story, but the reason that we're in this church is because God spoke to us so clearly. Um, so I am who I am today because I've listened to and obeyed the prophetic. All right, where's the remote control? So I've got a question this morning, and there's, does God speak prophetically to everybody? Well, let's read the uh, scriptures and see what that says. Now, it's 1 Corinthians 12, and I've not put the whole thing on yet because, let me read this. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And I'm just pausing there because I just want to pick up the phrase, the common good. I'm going to pick up on that later on. Let's keep reading. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, a message of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. All these things are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to, the, to the each one just as he determines. I've only grayed out some of that passage just for speed. So, basically, the gifts of the Spirit is basically saying that God gives them out as he pleases. And it's a bit like the personalities that are in this room. There's not one personality amongst us that is identical to anyone else here. We're all unique. And it's exactly the same as the gift of the Spirit. God has just given them out as, as he wishes. And from our point of view, it might even feel like a bit, a lot, a bit like a lottery, some of us have this gift, and some of us have that gift. But it's, it's not just random. It is, it is by God's choice, by God's design, which person has which gifts. And, of course, we can exercise the spiritual gifts, and we can become greater in those gifts. But what if we don't have a gift at all? And it says God gives them out this way and that way. What if we don't have a gift? Particularly, we're talking about prophecy this morning. What do you do? Is, is that the end of the story? Oh, sorry, God didn't give you that, so there's no point even asking. Well, that's not exactly the way it is. Um, I'll give you an example. I was asking for, for, um, to be more prophetic. About six months ago, I was walking the dog. I'm off, off, often walking the dog when I'm praying. And I said, God, I just want to be more prophetic. And he answered me and he said, you hear everything I want you to hear already. So in other words, that was a, a no at that point. Everything I want you to hear, you already hear. So the blockage was not my end. It was by his design, you hear everything I want you to hear. But I'm going to be asking for more in the future because maybe that was just for this, that season. So is that, it? is that it? If we ask, we don't get? No, not at all. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, eagerly the desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy, which is, of course, what we're talking about this morning. So that's what I want to look at. How can we seek these things? How can we seek prophecy? So I'm going to be looking into the how and also the barriers that might prevent us from getting that. So I'm going to focus on that question again. Does God speak to everyone? And I'm going to reverse that question. And I'm going to remind you, of course, that our relationship with Jesus, it's a relationship. It's two-way. So we pray. God hears, and then he answers back prophetically, two-way. So if we reverse the question to, 
does God hear everybody's prayers? And you might think, well, that's a bit of a weird question, James. He's God. He knows everything, sees everything, hears everything. How can he not hear our prayers? And don't worry, the Bible backs that up. Isaiah 59, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ears too dull to hear. So that's a confirmation that God is big enough to hear everything. However, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. This is not a verse that stands alone. There's, there's plenty of verses in the Bible that talk about God closing his ears and turning his face away from us. So does God hear everybody's prayers? No, he doesn't. Uh, here's a New Testament um, example. John 9, we know that God does not listen to sinners. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. It's very plain. He listens to the godly person who does his will. And now I've lost my place on my notes. There we go, turn over. I think this, yes, I've looked at this um, John, 9, uh, John 9 up in the commentaries. And it's clear that the word sinners here is talking about unbelievers. But don't take from this verse that anybody who's an unbeliever, God doesn't listen to. That's not really what it's saying. But there's definitely a blockage if people are anti-God. So I just want to flip this on its head and look at James 5. Now before I move on to James 5, I just want to say that the point I'm trying to get across now, um, this is going to sound terrible, I cannot find or think of any Bible verses that support what I'm going to say directly. Um, however, bear with me and let me get to the end of this. And I think you'll see that the picture I'm painting is, is biblical. But you'd be the judge of that. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm going to be looking at the middle ground. Not people that are unbelievers. Not people that are red hot for Christ. I'm looking at that sort of in between. Uh, Jesus, you know, he's all right. But, you know, that sort of person. James 5, therefore, now this is, this is written to believers, but it, the believers sin. And he says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now that last sentence there, we could rewrite that sentence to the prayer of an unrighteous person is not powerful and is not effective. You see that? And in that paragraph, you have the word, the phrase, confess your sins. Now, I don't think it's wrong to connect those two sentences together and say that if you are embroiled in sin and you're not obeying God in that, how effective are your prayers? How much is God listening to you? Um, again, the Bible is very black and white in, the, in this sort of area. It's very hard to find a middle ground verse to fit what I'm trying to say. Um, it's usually very black and white. So you've got the unbelievers or you've got the red-hot Christians. But there is a, a verse that many of us will be familiar with that does look at that middle ground. It's Revelation 3, Jesus speaking. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Do you see what I'm trying to get across here? That there's a, 
there's a danger area where you, if you're just lukewarm, um, you're not in such a good place. So, here's a picture of Jesus. Well, it's not quite Jesus. Use your imagination. We all know that Jesus is white, don't we? <laughs> so, um, this is, imagine this is Jesus. And, of course, Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. And we are the sheep. Can everyone do a sheep noise for me, please? <laughs> Excellent sheep. Thank you. Well done. And uh, look, at, look at the sheep on the, on the front row there. Look how attentive they are to the shepherd. They're really keen to know what the shepherd is saying and doing. But what about the sheep in the distance on the back? You can't really make them out. Um, what are they doing? Are they just as attentive? Are they facing the other way and watching EastEnders? Um, <laughs> you, you just can't tell. Um, now, when God speaks to us, he often speaks to us in a whisper. Very often in a whisper. And if the shepherd was to, to whisper at this point in this picture, the, peop- the, the sheep or the people on the front row, look how attentive they are, they would see and hear any signs that the shepherd were going to make. What about the guys at the back? If they're wandering off doing other things, are they going to be hearing those nuances of what the Spirit is saying? Maybe not. And this is, what I'm, this is what I'm trying to get across, is are our ears attentive to the shepherd? Are we pressing in firmly and hard to Jesus? Or are we distracted by things? Um, for example, this. Is this going in our ear more than, than Jesus? Now, you might say to me, yeah, James, it's all very well. You're prophetic, um, so you can hear God really clearly. What if I'm not prophetic? I don't have that gift. So how can I hear the voice of the shepherd and do what Jesus says if I don't hear him? Well, I said at the start, didn't I, that this is the primary way that um, we hear God. Jesus, he, Jesus is in all the pages of this. God is in all the pages of this. If we read this, ah, then actually we do hear the voice of God really, really clearly. It's this, what's in here is very clear. Um, we don't need the prophetic to obey the shepherd and get close to, sh- and get close to him. We need this. Um, totally lost again. Um, yes, I want to throw out a challenge now. This might make you wriggle, and it might make me wriggle as well, actually, because I'm going to be quite strong with this. Um, I based this on Galatians 5, which is a list of the acts of the flesh, and it's typical worldly stuff. Um, so with the question of you saying to me, maybe I don't hear God clearly in my life, and maybe culture is speaking more cl- loudly to, to us, um, what about the, the culture that it's absolutely fine to have sex outside of marriage? That's completely normal. In fact, if you don't have sex before marriage, you're a weirdo. So what are you listening more? Is, what are you listening to more? Are you listening to the truth, this is eternal, or are you listening to the culture? Are you, are you, are you having sex out of marriage or before marriage? It's wrong and clearly wrong. We need to not listen to our culture, we need to listen to the word. Uh, another challenge, um, 
God says put him as number one in our lives. What are we chasing after? When we're, when we're in bed at night, what, what are we thinking about? What are we worrying about? Are, worrying, are we worrying about how we can serve Jesus better? I do do that. Not all the time, but I do do that. Or do we sit in bed and lay in bed and go, I want more money. I want a better car. And are we chasing in our hearts worldly things? The Word of God says that's clearly wrong. It says, put God as number one, not the world. Um, more challenges. Do we have issues of jealousy, unforgiveness? These are really common things to hold on to in, in our hearts, very easy traps to fall into. The Bible says that is so wrong. What are we listening to? Are we listening to the loud voice of culture? Are we, are we pushing into this? So if we want to get more prophetic, and I'm talking about the prophetic this morning, but we can open this up to anything that God has to offer, gifts of the Spirit, blessings, etc. Do we want more of God? We've got to do the basic stuff first. This is like the foundational stuff. Get this bit right first and obey it, and then all the other stuff comes together. So I've been talking about the, the barriers to um, getting more gifts, getting the prophetic, and there's not enough time for me to cover. There's, I've, I've talked about sin. There's other stuff that gets in the way of, of us connecting to God, but I'm not going to go into that now. There's just not enough time. So I want to look at the opposite to sin, and that is obedience. If we're being obedient, we're not sinning. If we're sinning, we're not being obedient. So it's kind of the opposite. And the scriptures are already up there th that mention this, this scripture here. And, um, and they follow me at the end there. And they follow me. What does following Jesus mean? It means obeying him. We've already looked at John 9. At the end there, it says, he listens to the godly person who does his will. And again, another verse, Acts 5. So is the Holy Spirit to whom God has given those who obey him. It's very clear that if we want to move forward with God, be used by God, we not only have to be sin-free, but we have to obey as well. So I've never, whenever I've heard the Holy Spirit... I've never, ever regretted saying yes to God. And he's asked me to do some funny things over the years. And I've never gone, oops, that was wrong. It's always been positive. And to counter that, there was obviously there's been times when I've gone, nah, I'm too scared to do that or say that, God. And I don't do it. And I think it would be right to say that every time I've said no to God, I've regretted it as well. I have regretted it. Not for the rest of my life, but in the moment I thought, oh, so should I have done that. So should I have done that. I want to share a story um, of probably the hardest thing that Sharon and I have ever done. Um, Barry, can you? Yeah, you're holding now. Um, I'm sharing this because having the gift of the prophetic um, is not always for our benefit. It's great to have that gift, but it's actually to give, give out and to serve other peoples. And I pointed out, didn't I, uh, that previous verse, 
these gifts are for the common good. Yeah, we're, we're a family, so it's about sharing our gifts for ourselves and for the family. Where am I? Yeah, so with the prophetic, there is a, there is a burden. There is a burden to the prophetic. And so I, I shared our, our worst burden that we've had. It's, but it's more than that. It's um, when, you, when you have to say something or do something, there's a, there's a heaviness in the spirit in you, and you've just, you've just, got, to, you've just got to share it. Um, a biblical example of this is, oh, no, I've missed out. Right, okay, I've missed out something. Okay, so going back to the story of the people staying with us, um, this is just an example of how hard it is. So this is Zach. This is, he's in primary school in this picture. And he's on, his, on the laptop, and he's not trying to play games. He's trying to do his homework. And these are the two little kids. And there was just no space in our lives at all. And it was like they would always be around us. And it, Zach's face kind of says it all, really. <laughs> and that, that it was like, but the, the desire to serve God is greater than, than the pain. So um, anyway, that verse I was talking about. Right, it's from Acts 20. And I, again, I've just put the first bit on alone because I want to pick up on that wor- word compelled. It's such the right word. When, we, when the Spirit moves in us uh, prophetically, there is a compulsion. You need to do something. And this is um, Acts 20 where Paul is he, he's on a tour. He's going around to various people, encouraging people, um, preaching, etc. And the Spirit's been speaking to him. I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. Do you see there's a brilliant example of the compulsion. Serve Jesus is bigger than our own earthly desires. I'm looking at my notes now and I've skipped something. I'm good at that. I'm going to just go back. And the bit where I was challenging um, you guys about whether you're engaging in cultural stuff and worldly stuff. I just wanted to clarify that I do the same. I'm not going to pretend that I stand up here and I'm perfect and all holy. I struggle with sin as well. And I totally recognize how hard it is to be stuck in sin. And I think what I want to, I'm speaking now from a pretty strong position, but I wanna, what I wanted to say is I've been walking f- with Christ for 25 years. And I didn't start strong. It is a journey. And I'm, I challenged you not to be embroiled in worldly stuff, in sinful stuff. But it doesn't happen overnight that we're transformed. Christ does transform us. But in some areas, yes, you see transformation. For example, you hear stories of people that instantly quit smoking. No effort required. That's just one example. But in other areas, we just have to struggle. But as we journey with Christ, we slowly, slowly get stronger. Okay, so skipping back to where we should be now. Um, so I've been possibly been talking 
in a very formulaic way, way, maybe. I've been saying, don't sin, obey, and then great things happen. But in a way, I just want to throw that completely out of the window because that's a bit boxy. But actually, it comes down to having a relationship with Jesus. That is really what it boils down to. If I put the... um, Oh, I'm going to come back to that. Look at that. It's still the title. That's exactly the words Rebecca used. I'm going to go to the, the shepherd person. Um, it's not a formula. It's not a formula. It's a relationship. The sheep on the front row there, they're on the front no row, not because they're seeking to get better prophecy or to be- get better gifts. They're on the front row because they love Jesus. That's why they're on the front row. And they want more of Jesus. And they want to serve Jesus, as I want to serve Jesus, passionately, passionately want to serve Jesus. And when, we, when we're in that position of just seeking God intimately, all the stuff I've been talking about, the, the prophecy and every, anything else you care to mention, that just is a byproduct. And it just falls into place anyway. So to seek the stuff we're talking about, seek Jesus first, put him in the center Again, just trying to break out of the box here because I don't want to say things that are not right. Earlier on, I said God doesn't listen to sinners or, or do any, have anything to do with sinners. Possibly you might have taken from that. But we, we've looked at Paul, haven't we? He was um, the one in Acts 20. If we go, go to Acts 9, Paul was going around trying to murder as many Christians as he possibly could, uh, as fast as he possibly could. He wasn't interested in in God as we know him. He was, in, he was into religion. And, but God broke into his life and said, stop, Paul, you're going to be my servant. So I've talked about this sin and as being a barrier, but God is just bigger. He is, he's just bigger, and it's kind of like no formula is almost the word I'm trying to get across today. Just get intimate with God. So um, going back to... The, uh, those verses I just skipped past. Um, last week, the pre-service prayer meeting, um, actually, by the way, if you've, d- if you've never been to the pre-service prayer meeting, I'd really encourage you to come. A good number of people come, but it'd be great if more people came. It starts at about 10 past, quarter past nine, and God often speaks in really powerful ways. It's really cool. And last week, we, um, someone read out Isaiah 55, And Isaiah 55, it talks about a feast and a banquet. And I'm going to read that to you. And I think this, read this in the context of, I think some of this is earthly stuff and some of this is eternal stuff. Come all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters and you you who have no money, come buy and eat. It's a free banquet. This is what and who God is. Salvation is free. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And I think the way I interpret these verses is why spend time on earthly stuff? Why chase earthly things? And labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest of fare. Give an ear, come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. So this was read out, this sort of 
picture of a feast and a banquet. And then there was a tongue that was given, and the interpretation of the tongue referred back to what had just been read out about this banquet. And the interpretation said that God has so much for us. He has so much to bless us with, but we ourselves are the blockage because we need to surrender our lives to Christ. Because we're not letting go of stuff, and we all do it, we all do it, because we're not letting go of stuff, God cannot fully release his blessings upon us. And so I just bring that to you today. As we chase after the shepherd, it's about chasing him with all of our heart, every part of our being. I'm looking at the clock and suddenly going, huh? I'm running out of time. Just want to say a few more things, just a few loose ends, really. Um, can I just encourage those who are prophetic in the church, just don't come to church in a passive way? Should we share that gift? Um, about four weeks ago, someone came up to me on a Sunday morning and just said, James, I've got a word for you. And, and it was an encouragement about the way I preach. And it was really powerful. And I, I don't often receive external stuff from people, but it's, it's so awesomely encouraging when that happens. Um, so let's, let's be active in that and just share with people around us. Uh, listen. Um, and a practical note of that, of course, is when you do share something you think is prophetic, you really ought not to say, God says. You should be a little bit more humble and say, I think God is saying this. And if you're on the receiver end, receiving the end of a word, you should always test it, particularly against scripture. Um, expectations, I think that's another way that we limit God. We can have lower expectations, but we, and we try to put God in a box, but of course, um, God is way bigger than that. Um, an example of this is, in our, old, in our old church, there used to be a, a thing where the pastor would go away and he'd take a ministry with him. And he'd say to the ministry team, please have, see if you can get prophetic words for the church that we're visiting. And there was eight of us lined up, and we all gave prophetic words. And everybody else in this line of people gave one prophetic word. And when it came to me, I gave about 10, something like that. Um, and the only difference between the guys that gave one and, and me was... I had a greater expectation. If you can hear one word from God, you can hear ten words from God. Let's not limit God. Right, I need to wrap up big time now because I need to go to Southside. Um, <laughs> well, they need to hear this as well, don't they? They, they can't worship all, all morning. Um, I don't want this to come... I've tried to challenge you, but I don't want it to be condemning. I hope you haven't taken it that way. It's, if you're stuck in sin chase God. Basically, what I'm saying is, chase God, chase God with all that you are. Um, and this stuff, wow, it's loud, isn't it? It's really in our face. Um, chase God, just get yourself absorbed in this thing. It's the only thing that is of any hope in this world to us. Um, this worldly stuff is temporary. It's, it's going to disappear. Amen. I'm just going to pray, and then I guess we're going to worship. Lord, thank you that you are absolutely everything. You are eternal, 
and this world is just going away, Lord. And we, we just say to you, Lord, we, we choose to focus on you. We choose to, to live our lives for you, you alone. Lord, would you, would you increase our gifting, Lord, as we chase after you? Lord, we want more of you. We want more of your gifts, not for ourselves, but to just to serve you and make your kingdom a better place, Lord. We lift you up, Lord, and, and say you are our Lord. You are our everything. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.